Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it. Finds Wall and there's his game winner. On the move, on the way. Tucker will score. Sean Tucker with a touchdown. Gillen. Got it. Derek, you win. Are you serious? Five down. One to go. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network, with episode 63 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast, presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. I am here with Josh and Sammy once again, and you know, Sammy just can't get away from us because Syracuse soccer just keeps winning and playing well and doing all these good things. And they did something on Monday that the program had never done before. And that is they won the national championship. It was a crazy game. It was, um, you know, Syracuse never trailed in the game, but it was, there were some certainly some tense moments where it felt like the game was about to, to slip out of their hands. And then, of course, they go into penalty kicks, and, and uh, which Sammy is a huge fan of, to decide a game, let alone a national champion. And Syracuse ends up pulling it out. So, Sammy, we'll go to you for your first reaction um, of, of the game and, and Syracuse's season kind of overall. Well, just in terms of the game, one massive congratulations to them. That was, I think the perfect cap to the season just with the drama and just it being another close contest. Um, but I was a little surprised with how that one played out, not in the sense that it was like back and forth or anything along those lines, but I expected that game to be like two to one tops. Like I did, I figured it'd be like one goal a piece maybe in the first half. And then, then you maybe get like a late winner um, from either side. But like, I didn't expect the t- what it was, I think it was 35 total shots in that game. Um, and there'd be as many great chances as there ended up being. Um, maybe it was a little bit of uh, legs defensively getting a little more tired as, as things went on. Um, but just from start to finish, there was opportunities galore. And I think I can speak for everybody saying, like, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, not just during the penalties, which to correct you, I despise. Um, but again, Syracuse came through. Poku does what a Poku does best and, and finds the back of the net. He's going to be something special if, when he gets to the next level. Um, same for Levante. But um, and then Kurt Kalov, he was someone who was pretty big and pivotal to their their performances last season, and kind of not necessarily got a back seat, but kind of stepped back with how Poku and Levante um, and eventually Baselli were playing on the attack. Um, but he came through huge all tournament in the NCAA tournament and gets a big goal in that. Uh, it was a 33rd minute, if I'm not mistaken. And Poku gets another assist. Um, but their this team, their willingness and ability to battle and fight through any type of situation or adversity kind of catches me by surprise to a certain extent, even though I shouldn't be with how much they've done this season. But the grit, resilience that. Uh, this team has showed the late equalizer in the 80th minute, which was a banger, an incredible shot from Endley. Um, I was sitting there, it was just my jaw on the floor. It's just, wow, okay, that, that, fair enough. Um, you should tip your cap on that one. It wasn't a great pass to Sarver. I don't think he should have got the assist. Um, but nonetheless, they, they battled through. I hate penalties, but nonetheless, Russell Shealy has a knack for coming up with big saves in, uh, the penalty shootouts and their national champions and even got to their first national championship in program history. Basketball is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at bet online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, bet online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Sammy, can I ask you a question real quick? Talking about, yeah. you know, obviously the first... <laughs> 
Oh, obviously, <laughs> go for it. Go for it. But talking about, you know, obviously me coming from a, a non-soccer background, you know, you can look at the box score and you can watch the game. But, you know, the impact of a championship, especially the first in you know, school history, I'm just curious about. So what kind of like impact in terms of like recruiting and, you know, just going forward does this do for Q's and, you know, looking at, you know, defending the title next year, what, you know, what kind of personnel, what kind of guy coming back will we have next year? I, I would say this season as a whole has massive impact for Syracuse soccer. First being that they had two players on the Canadian national team in the World Cup. Having that type of repertoire, that type of, you know, further productivity, that ability to generate pro talent, as you can tell from obviously even just the football side of things, basketball side of things is massive. It's a massive selling point. Um, but also just seeing, again, DeAndre Kerr last season going to Toronto FC, and seeing guys like Levante and Apoku, like the serious talent that they were able to not only attract after last season, which wasn't a great year for them, um, and really blossom. But also, I think Coach Mack is their best selling point in anything. If I played soccer, there is no other coach I would rather play for than this guy after getting to experience the program and culture he's built there. Uh, but winning a national title against the team and program that has gone to the most national titles out of any team, and that being Indiana, and having the second most national titles to only St. Louis, that's massive. That is potentially the first domino in putting yourself in the ring with those pedigree programs if they can sustain the success. And again, I'm, I'm looking at guys like Kurt Kalov and um, Jonah labeled have incredible years next season and really continue to blossom and grow. Um, but again, they're, I don't want to say it's like a done deal. They're going to have a great year next year, but this type of success against the program specifically that they did against and beating Clemson as a national champion last year. And again, this year in the regular season, taking him off that number one seed, they have so many quality wins and performances. And again, that culture that they prove they have from, behind Coach McIntyre and that whole staff uh, is as good of a sales pitch, I think, as you'll find in the entire country. Nine straight national titles for Syracuse men's soccer is what I just heard from from Sammy in that explanation. Um, listen, I, I'll, I'll just say this from from watching the game in all seriousness, and, and we'll get to football because there is tons of football transfer portal activity to discuss. But um, I noticed that there were a lot of people watching college soccer for the first time um, with, with Syracuse's run here because it admittedly, obviously Syracuse basketball and football take the, the lion's share of the attention um, amongst the, the Syracuse fan base, right? Little, and little, little across too. Little, little across as well. Yes. But even, even lacrosse, if, if you look at all other sports, lacrosse, soccer, volleyball, um, field hockey, rowing, you, you start naming all of the sports, right? They all take a, a pretty large backseat to the two big boys. Yeah. And when one of them makes a run, whether it's women's lacrosse in the final four national championship game, whether it's field hockey several years ago in a national championship game, when those other quote unquote other sports make runs like this, it does get the attention of the fan base. And I thought it was pretty cool to see at a Syracuse basketball game, a large chunk of that crowd watching the soccer national championship game and cheering it, not ignoring the basketball game per se, but that clearly had their attention. There were so many more people on Twitter that I saw that were watching the game on, on ESPN that had never watched it before. I had people commenting to me, um, wow, this college soccer stuff is pretty cool. So I, I, I have to hope that this game with as entertaining as it was as intense as it was as up and down as it was you mentioned all the scoring chances they had you know it was two to two after regulation it could have easily been four four five five with all the chances they had um like like i said in our last episode college soccer is not pass the ball back and forth at midfield hope you get the and and the game at zero zero this is not that type of soccer this is high tempo um fast action keeps your attention. Uh, so I hope that the sport gains some fans from, from what we saw, um, not only in this game, but throughout the NCAA tournament. Raise his, raise his hand. You feel what I'm saying? Thank the people like, you know, Sammy and Sydney to understand. Because, you know, even FIFA is always fun to play. But, you know, I'm out there just, you know, one of those things to where you're not really good at it, but it just it seems like it's fun. or It is fun, so you keep doing it. So that's been my relationship with soccer for a long time. But now that I've taken my novice glasses off and I've been informed, now I can understand 
you know, why people like Levante Nathan are so impactful, you know, understanding the angles and the formations. So, um, you know, it's kind of like um, the Olympic effect, you know, when everybody becomes an expert like you guys on the curling every four years once that comes around. You know, so I'm thankful to have with the World Cup, too, especially being this year. You know, my, my soccer atmosphere uh, knowledge has acumen has, has gotten up a lot. So it's not, it's not something that you just throw away after, you know, as you win the title. So, yeah, I can forever be indebted to you, Sam, because I now know how to watch soccer the right way. It's tailgating season and no one does it better than Hoffman's Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. Yeah, my seven-year, my, I'll just say this before I let Sammy comment. Um, my seven-year-old son asked if we could go to a soccer game next year. Hmm. So that that tells you that the That's impact hard, that, that runs sure. like this okay. this can have. So I'll be uh, spending some time up at Soccer Stadium next season as, for sure, as you should. Uh, the one that I wanted to add two things: one being just like how the World Cup I think also helped that and helped people's kind of attention shift towards college soccer because when you have as many upsets and crazy games like this World Cup had. And although it had a lot of controversy drama, you can think what you will about this World Cup in Qatar. This World Cup has brought a lot of attention, not only to the U.S. men's national team and them being able to get into the knockouts, but just in general, the drama surrounding that, coupled with the success Syracuse had. I think in general, for at least this area of the U.S., could and just Syracuse in general, could do a lot just in terms of growing a soccer community you heard Coach Mack all season praising the Syracuse soccer community as like a knowledgeable, invested soccer fan base. And I think this is only going to grow it. And further seeing guys like Levante or, or Poku and hopefully more guys like Booster Schoberg. He was an incredible defender that got injured for a little while. Curdy, even Sheely, uh, my guys, Abdi and Olu. I would love to see those kind of guys get to the next level. Maybe you see uh, the, these kind of next generation kids buying their jerseys, going to MLS games um, or whatever level that these guys end up getting to play at and, and possibly even at the national level. Um, and seeing the guys at the next level will continue to grow the Syracuse soccer community and uh, hopefully continue to grow the game in the United States. Also, a uh, shout out to Jesse Edwards, starting center of the Syracuse men's basketball yes. team, who showed up to the um, arrival of the team back to campus at, at 1.32 a.m., whatever it was last night. Um, yeah. he, he was there to uh, welcome them and, and wish his congratulations to them for, for winning. Uh, I thought that was a, a pretty cool gesture. They had just finished the game, and um, he certainly didn't have to do that. So um, I thought that was that was a pretty cool thing as well he was i will say he is more intimidatingly tall off the court than he is on the court i i just <laughs> because he doesn't uh, but, look as tall standing next yeah, to all the other tall guys exactly. but then you get him a bunch around a bunch of average size normal normal height people like ourselves and uh you know you he, he looks a lot taller i yeah, i had a moment bef- yeah. before before we get to football i had uh i'll have a quick story um which is I had floor seats for a Syracuse basketball game the very first time that I did it. And I saw Wes Johnson and a couple other um, current players walking I heard around. That right? a long time. He was, yeah. he was quite the player. Um, and it was that moment that you just realize how tall six, eight, six, nine really is. You see him on television. You're like, yeah, he's six, eight. Okay. Whatever. And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm six feet difference between six feet and six, eight. It's not really that much. Right. But you just you don't understand until you see it standing right next to you, and so I I think the Jesse Edwards thing is probably pretty similar. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, that said, gonna... we have a ton to get to with Syracuse football. There oh, have before been... we go any further, I talked yes. about watching the Alabama game. We can't go any further in the program, but I say an RIP Mark Mike Leach. That's definitely yes. a big uh, big loss in the college football community. Like I said, Alabama and Memphis are playing, and they actually took the time to. Uh, I think I gave a moment of silence during the game, and you know, I was like close to home, me being from Memphis, him coaching the Mississippi State, but just um, him, the uh, the impact that he had on the game, and um, just the, the sudden death, man. He was at practice on Friday. That's that's scary, and I know that coaching leads to that type of you know quick down uh, downward spiral. So while it was on my mind, especially something that serious, just want to you know give our condolences and just say you know 
you know, rest in peace, rest in power, and just thank you for the all the contributions you did, especially specifically to the college game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's never easy when you lose a figure like that, um, but it's even more shocking and hard to cope with when it's that sudden. Like you said, he's at practice on a Friday, and then a couple of days later, he's he's no longer with us. It's life comes at you fast, so enjoy every moment that you have for sure. Um, that said, we'll we'll try to uh, stay at least uh, lighten the mood a little bit here. With um, we'll start with positive before we get into uh, perhaps one of uh, what could be multiple negatives. And we'll start with transfer portal additions. Syracuse has added three players from the transfer portal, offensive lineman Joe Boer from Richmond, defensive tackle Braylon Ingraham from Alabama, and defensive back Jaden Gold from Nebraska. Three additions, three positions of need, although one perhaps we didn't know was a position of need until recently. Um I I guess we'll start with you, Josh. What's your reaction to uh, grabbing those players and and at least two of them from uh, some pretty prominent programs? I mean, you're getting the guy, like you said, you're getting the guy that the positions that you needed. You're talking about what was the biggest problems last year, you know, um, protecting the quarterback, protecting the quarterback and uh, generate a consistent push in the run game. So you go out and get a a multi-year starter, um, that's always good. You know, you want to solidify, especially on the, the right side, I think that's what I saw him play. You definitely want to be able to solidify, you know, just being able to be tougher up front, which is something that this O-line struggled with throughout the year. Talking about um, Jalen, you said gold, is it G-O-U-L-D? So it is just gold. That's what you're going with? Yeah, it's G-O-U-L-D. I don't know if it's gold or gold or whatever. Okay, but... So my boy Jalen G, so, you know, again, you, we, we go with pedigree, and especially with him, you know, I, I we'll talk about some of the other guys later, but you know, guys with multiple years in the portal left, I think is is like a force multiplier with how advantageous they can be for your program because you know uh, a big portion of these guys that hop into the portal at least right now are you know the grad transfer variety guys hoping to either bounce up for their last year or you know for whatever reason want to find another situation for their last year. But you're getting guys, all of these guys, I think got multiple years left in the portal. I don't know about Joe Moore. But I think that when you get a guy like a highly rated guy like Gold with a uh, with four years left, um, you know my boy Big Moore only has one. But getting those guys out of the portal with multiple years of eligibility, you know, it just allows you to a get talented guys and just have some sort of continuity within your program. So nowadays, recruiting out of the portal is is not big or bigger than uh, high school recruiting. So it's good to see that um, you know early on a guy that you advocated for, uh, Coach Monroe, was you know was emphasizing that and doing really well. So. Yeah, and and uh, before we get to Sammy's take on it, um, you know the the big key with with Braylon Ingram or Braylon Ingram, I should say. I know the um, the big issue with Syracuse defense this past season was defensive line, right? Specifically, the depth along the defensive line, and and then they had some injuries and made that even thinner, et cetera. And I know that Syracuse fans wanted some size in the middle of that defensive line, and Ingram definitely brings that. You know, he's over 300 pounds. He's athletic. He's He was a former elite recruit, four-star recruit, uh, big-time defensive line prospect. He had a lot of injury issues at Alabama. So the key for him is it, can he get healthy? If he can be healthy, then I think he can have a huge impact along Syracuse defensive line. But if he still has more injury issues, then it's just another body that doesn't do much for you because he's, he's still battling injury issues. That's going to be the biggest key for, for him, um, I think is, and I wanted to, to give our listeners some of that background, is he was medically retired at Alabama, so in order to continue his wow. college career, he had to leave. Uh, he, he They literally would not let him play football there anymore, uh, which has happened with Syracuse before. They've medically disqualified players, and then they've gone on and played, played elsewhere and been fine. Uh, it, it happens. There are certain protocols you have, and it, it is what it is, so... Uh, I know Syracuse is hoping that he's healthy and that he'll he'll be able to give him some contribution because if he can get anywhere close to what his talent level was coming out of high school, then Syracuse could could have a pretty big hit here. Uh, but Sammy, your your thoughts on those three additions, uh, including the positions that they're going to add some depth to? I, I'll get, we can get to DBs when we talk about maybe that negative as well. But I want to kind of focus on for for Josh's sake, investing in the trenches. I mean, I, I think that's a a pretty important need in general on both sides of the ball, but it's always something you should do. Incredibly, you put, you pointed to a really good point in terms of the depth that they need on that defensive line. And 
a, a big point for me, even though it was he had his issues at Alabama, bringing somebody from a program like that to possibly help shift maybe a little bit of a mindset, culture, identity in terms of he's been around a college football caliber team. He's been around Nick Saban, arguably the best college football coach there is. That kind of stuff can help lead into the rest of your program, whether he's a bona fide NFL superstar in the future or not, anything along those lines. Bringing somebody from a program like that can help. And also just in general, too, with the bringing someone from Nebraska. Nebraska's no scrub of a program. I, I mean, they also kind of have that pedigree. And I think there's something to be said for being able to bring in position players that you need from these ca- high caliber programs. There, there certainly is. And um, with Jaden Gold specifically, um, he's he's only had been he'd only been at Nebraska for a year. He is a mm-hmm. former elite recruit, top 200 player um, by most recruiting uh, services. SI All-American actually had him as a number 74 player in the entire country in his class. He's one year removed from that level of talent expectation, has four years of eligibility remaining, as Josh said. That's a type of player that if you're Syracuse, that's how you get those that talented uh, players into your program. You're, you're not going to win your lion's share of the top 100, top 200 prospects um, in the country in a recruiting class, but you can find some of them that – you know, maybe decide that they want to move on because there were coaching changes. Maybe the program that they signed with wasn't quite what they thought it was when they signed a variety of reasons. You know, Elijah Clark left Rutgers after a year. He ends up coming to Syracuse um, and, and Syracuse is involved with at least a couple others that are kind of in similar situations. That's how you can add talent and depth to your program. If you're Syracuse, uh, that's that's the positive part of um, the transfer portal. And, and as you said, bringing in an Alabama transfer is always going to get headlines. It's always going to spark, um, you know, some eyebrow raises across the country. Wait, kid transferred from Alabama wanted to go there. Oh, well maybe that's a school that I need to to look a little closer at because they're, they're clearly bringing in talent. Um, and so, you know, and, and then grabbing Joe Moore from an FCS program, FCS offensive linemen have, have been coming up since the transfer portal, um, has been around have been jumping up a level and they've been some of the most coveted offensive line players in the portal are guys that are jumping up from the FCS level. And so bringing in a guy who's, and he didn't have to make the jump to be a first round pick for the Patriots. So that's right. Like a, a thing, it is. It is uh, because, you know, if you're a good player, they'll find you anywhere and different players develop at different rates. And so you have a guy who wasn't very highly recruited and develops the right way and, and can become, um, you know, someone that's that's highly sought after. And with Joe Moore, you know, he's he's got 40 plus games of experience. He's played primarily right tackle, but has played some left. So he can come in and either fill in for Matthew Bergeron or if he doesn't win that job and that goes to Enrique Cruz, he can start at right tackle for you. Um, I, and worst case scenario is you have a guy in your two day on your two deep that has you know, 40 games of experience, 30 some odd starts under his belt. And if you do have injuries, as you have had almost every year at some point where you need someone to fill in for a game or two to start, it, it, that's not a bad guy to, to pluck and play in those situations. So while transfer additions are nice, um, Syracuse has lost its share of transfer portal player. I'm sorry, they've lost its share of players to the transfer portal, I should say. I think we're up to nine at this point, eight or nine players that have left Syracuse um, and are looking for new collegiate homes, most of which are, you know, you look at them and say, okay, a couple of of freshman offensive linemen who hadn't seen the field yet, and perhaps they they wanted to go somewhere where they thought they could get on the field a little quicker. Um, some reserve players. Courtney Jackson did start um, this past season, but I don't I don't think anyone was viewing him as you know the the key to the offense taking that next step or not. Um, but I I do think he was a little bit of loss because he did start. He had a lot of experience for you, and and he does have some, some talent. But Deuce Chestnut entered the portal on Tuesday. And that was, I think, the biggest shock to anyone following Syracuse football, Syracuse football fans of um, someone entering the portal, because oftentimes you hear it's a 
it's an issue with playing time, with snaps, with their role, with the potential to become a starter. He already was a starter. He's been a starter since he was a true freshman. He was a very highly regarded starter. Um, the system at Syracuse is not changing, even though they lost their defensive coordinator. And uh, with Garrett Williams, I think the expectations he's probably going to turn pro, I think is what people are expecting um, that Deuce Chestnut would be your number one guy. If, if that situation played out that way. And if not, then he and Garrett will be back for another year of being one of the best tandems in the ACC. So it it's uh, it's not a situation where playing time was an issue. It's not a scheme fit issue. Um, so what 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 could it be? But either way, Syracuse loses starting cornerback in you know a couple of weeks before a bowl game. That's going to hurt you there, but it's also going to hurt you for next season. Josh, your thoughts? You know. I guess I, it's crazy to see. I feel like I just got. I just finished up signing day, and I just finished up my playing career. But as a as an old head now to the young guys, it always just uh, I just always wince up a little bit when I see guys leave college after a year, regardless they're playing sports or not, or just change colleges. Because it's so much that you learn and experience in your freshman year that I just feel like you know it's, it's hard to really determine whether or not you're really you know satisfied with the experience. You, know, you talk about some of the other guys. Um, you know, Don Foster was a guy that, you know, got suspended before the year. He just officially entered the portal. Um, that was a guy, a true freshman that lived. Um, Jeremiah Wilson, a guy that really stood out during fall camp and got some time on the two deep at this point. Um, that's a guy he would have started the bowl game because yeah. of Deuce leaving. He would have started the bowl game. So the, yeah, that that's a that's a big deal as well. That's a guy that could have been a multi-year starter for you. Um, yeah, it's, it's at some point we had to address the state of the program. You know, you understand that Tony White was a big reason um, why a lot of these guys are leaving. We understand that the portal is more and more relevant. You know, as, like I think, um, I think Syracuse has on uh, FN said it as well, as the portal giveth, it taketh away as well. So we know that's the nature of college football. But, you know, Again, you have got multiple starters leaving, and you know they, it might there might be more damage to come still. So the fact that you know, regardless, you have like you said, multiple guys leaving leaving with you know ideal setups for them. You know, you have to start to address the state of your program at some point. And the bigger issues of why do guys not feel as if this is a place where they can succeed? You know, even in Deuce's situation, like again, starting in the ACC as a true freshman, you you can look at him as a guy that could really go to a place like Bama another ACC school like a USC and just really, you know, if he want, if that's his goal to be a premier college football, a premier program, you know, he could get that somewhere where he could get that at Syracuse. But you're talking about other guys and it's just like, what out, what other opportunities do you see out there that you can't find at SU? So I think, you, again, you have to just question whether or not, you know, if there are bigger issues at hand as to why the, the outside of Tony White leaving, why the parties are so frequent white. Sammy, your reaction to Deuce Chestnut leaving? Well, in general, I'm a person who is emotionally afraid of change. Um, and there's been a lot. <laughs> that's, that's, that's I think so we so all funny. are on, on some level. I'm about level, to say, but... that's like, that was so, you said that out loud. Like, I don't know. I heard nobody put it like Well, I mean, I felt that. To a, to a certain Dash. extent, Dash. to a certain extent, I'm not lying. Uh, but this program is experiencing a lot of change right now. And it's as a fan, as a someone covering the team, as someone who just is getting to talk about it on this podcast right now, it's jarring. And whether it's, as maybe 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 a red flag as much as it maybe seems potentially at the right uh, as it does right now for where the program is at why these players are leaving that's the question you asked at the end of your your little statement there Josh of why are these players leaving that aren't going to be going to maybe the NFL at the end of their college career what is so enticing about these other programs that is pulling them away from Syracuse and again, I do point back to, uh, again, I think Tony White had a had a big impact on a lot of these defensive players that might be leaving. Um, even though I think Monroe, especially in maybe that recruiting role, should have had some of that pull to keep it there. Um, I think some of their lack of clarity at their coordinator positions right now is leading to some of this. Is There's so much in limbo about this. But even, even the coordinators, like, you know, again, we said it last week, Coordinators aren't supposed to pick up and leave for other coordinator jobs. Yes. So not to cut you off, Sammy, but we're looking at just not all the change that you're so scared of. That glad is a therapeutic for you. Um, <laughs> there's only one or two things, and we know, you know, Big Mike, you have your theories. Either other programs are doing something that you're not willing to do, 
or something within your program stinks. And whatever the two options are, you have to fix them immediately because, again, you have no coordinators. You're about to have no starters on defense next year. So something needs to stop. Something needs to change immediately. Either you need to step up to the plate and do what these other programs are doing, or you need to eliminate whatever is making your program sneaky and unattractive. No, and I'm glad this is a place that can be emotionally uh, free and, and honest. This is um, a safe space. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> but, no, I think you make a great point, and I just – wonder what's going on behind the scenes that we might not be able to see is like what what is pulling these players away from Syracuse like that's that's genuinely my biggest question is why are these players that especially with Deuce leaving you mentioned there some of these players could have started in the bowl game could have got bowl time even if they weren't getting regular minutes uh or regular time in the regular season like they could have got time in a bowl game whether it's the pinstripe bowl or, or a bigger bowl like they still could have got them valuable experience in a big game. And they're choosing to leave amidst this kind of limbo that you're talking about with the coordinators is why is Syracuse a place that both these coordinators and players currently feel like they don't have an opportunity to succeed to the level that they, they want to. I, I like the questions you guys are asking and, and I'm going to answer that in a couple of ways. One of which may venture slightly off into conspiracy theory land, but there's logic you know, behind the most it. Comfortable there. It, it is, you know, I mean, I love that and, that and optimism, that and optimism, yeah. that and optimism, optimism and conspiracies. That's where we're at. Um, so before we get into the borderline conspiracy, um, there's a couple of things we talked about the coordinator situation um, in, in the previous episode. So if you haven't heard that, uh, go back and listen to episode 62. We break all of that down and give our opinions on that. As far as the transfer portal and, and players leaving, um, Unfortunately, this is kind of the new normal in college football, which is players are going to leave every single offseason, more so than they did pre-portal. Pre-portal, you wouldn't have that many players leaving your program early. Now, you're going to have, I almost expect a dozen to a dozen and a half players to leave every single, scholarship players to leave every single offseason. I just feel like it's the nature of the way that, things are with college football right now. And we'll get into part of the reason why when we get to the conspiracy. So I think you have that part of it. You're going to have attrition normally. You look at almost any program across the country, players have left and entered the portal. Now, and and last year, I know there was a concern with Syracuse and, and people were questioning the program with the same valid questions that you guys have brought up with what's wrong with Syracuse, because most of Syracuse's players that entered the portal did so early. So Syracuse's numbers piled up early. And then as you got to the end of the offseason, Syracuse's numbers ended up being kind of middle of the pack. Whereas in the first few weeks of the portal, Syracuse was up to like 12 players and the most anyone else had was like three. It was like, what's going on with Syracuse? But then Syracuse didn't continue to lose players. Other teams caught up. Um, I, I haven't noticed that as much this year, but I think the fact that you have normal attrition and then the fact that you lose your coordinator in Tony White, um, there are players that, that were loyal to him and that thought that part of their success and feeling of the culture at Syracuse and what they liked, um, you know, playing at Syracuse was directly as a result of, of him. And so you're going to lose some players, including some, some starters and and contributors um, when, when you lose your coordinator, I think there's, there should be some expectation given the ease of using the portal that, that, that there's the, the possibility that that happens as a result of losing your coordinator. All of that said, there is certainly an aspect of what is Syracuse not doing that other schools are. Well, we know something that other schools are doing that Syracuse is not in recruiting, and that's NIL stuff. Now, the the way that the NIL is set up, it is not supposed to be used as a recruiting tool. You are not supposed to be able to go to X recruit. Josh Crawford is a five-star defensive lineman. I'm going to go up to him and say, hey, Josh, if you come here, we'll give you a $750,000 NIL deal with Walmart and another school comes in and says, yeah, we'll give you a million for target. And then another school comes in and says, we'll give you a million and a half for, um, I don't know, pizza, Hut, whatever. Right. So th- this is how some of that is working in reality, even though it's not supposed to. So we know that a lot of schools are doing that. Syracuse is not 
has not done that uh, to date, though they have started to form a collective that's going to allow them to perhaps get into that. But as of now, it is not a major factor in the way that Syracuse recruits. Well, I think you'd be pretty naive if you don't think that players that are viewed as good players for programs viewed as middle of the pack or lower programs, um, backdoor, back behind the scenes type of deals are going on where a high school coach is talking to an assistant for one team and then relaying information back to someone else who relays it to a player to say, listen, if I know that you're not planning on entering the portal, but if you did just wanted to let you know, you might have a $500,000 deal over here with this other program, those type of situations. um, I think you'd be naive to think that they don't go on. And we know that Mikel Jones said last year, that last offseason, he had an opportunity to leave. Well, if he hadn't ever entered the portal, how would he know he had an opportunity to leave? It's because of these back behind the scenes deals and conversations that go on, I'm sure, with a lot of programs across the country. Some programs are trying to rebuild. They lose a player unexpectedly that goes pro. They need to fill in, you know, um, a Miami, an Alabama, an Auburn uh, Tennessee says, oh, crap, we need a middle linebacker. Hey, that Mikel Jones from Syracuse is pretty good. I think he could fill in here for a year or two before our, you know, four or five star kids ready to go. Can we talk to his former high school coach, his trainer, whatever, and let him know if you entered the portal, we got a spot for you. Oh, by the way, that's going to come along with with X contract with Y car dealership. And you're talking about these, you know, these we're getting we waiting in the water here. You're talking about the, these back these convers these handshake deals, and you're talking about these back these backroom deals. Like again, you know, without snitching, all, I'm not you know, I'm not telling anything that hasn't already been said. You know, I was a, a guy that was able to you know run some Division one scholarships, and you know, I again somebody like Eric Gray that went to OU in Tennessee was a five star guy. I saw his recruitment very closely, witnessed some of the things that school did for him. So you're talking about each. These these different points of contact, everybody's getting paid. So it's it's advantageous for everybody to make sure that Kale knows, hey, Tennessee wants to offer you this NIL deal. You know, U of M wants to offer you this NIL deal because you know, even if those guys don't commit, what's ten thousand dollars in the name of recruiting Michael Jones to the University of Tennessee? Nothing to a bag man, to a former trainer, to a high school coach will know, you know, at the academy. So you know, with the way that the game is set up, it's it's advantageous for these different people that don't operate under the NCAA heading to to make these opportunities as known as possible for these athletes. So yeah, you're talking about a situation that, again something either something that's thinking with inside or something you're doing some you're the other program doing stuff that you're not willing to do. And you know I walk we, me and Sam they're both in Newhouse. I can walk around SU and see that there's not a, a lack of money per se around Syracuse athletics. So there's you know not. so whether or not the push is you know, I guess the modernized push, some people feel as if, you know, still feel weird about, you know, putting a price tag on athletes per se. But, hey, what did Ryan Day say? If you want to get a five-star quarterback, you're probably getting a million dollars, no less. So when you have the, the head of, you know, football programs putting it that blatantly, you need to be able to kind of, you know, jump in and, you know, continue to jump in the fight if you want to be an elite program like you say you are. That's, I mean, that's the reality of the situation is that elite recruits and college football players are now um, financial investments. And that's, that's the reality of the situation. Now, part of the reason that some of this stuff can go on and that it's as wild, wild west as it is, is because the NCAA put its hands up and basically said, we have no interest in governing neither the transfer portal nor the NIL situation. They basically, they fought both. Um, They didn't want either to happen. They got taken to court. They lost. And they basically said, all right, well, you wanted this to happen. You all figure it out. We're not doing a darn thing. They're the governing body for college athletics that says we have no interest in governing two of the biggest areas in college athletics. The NCAA, uh, in my opinion, has been for a long time a joke in terms of its governance. And I think the way that the NIL and transfer portal are quote unquote out of control, wild, wild west, however you want to put it, is the latest example of that. Now, even with the NCAA putting rules and regulations and different types of things in place, 
it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to stop everything. But at least I don't think that you don't create rules just because it doesn't make everything perfect. It's like the argument that that not having a law in place, having a law in place doesn't make any sense because it doesn't stop all bad guys from committing that crime. It's like that essentially is saying, well, people still murder other people, so therefore we shouldn't make murder illegal. That's essentially what the argument is. And if you sort of use that similar logic to what we're talking about here with the NCAA, just because rules and regulations put in place aren't going are going to be skirted and, and um, people are going to cross lines by some programs as honestly they have been for decades because the NCAA doesn't do anything about it, doesn't mean that you shouldn't have rules and regulations to try to minimize that, to try to mitigate the risk of this chaos that you have every single offseason. Because if the NCAA is truly interested in trying to make um, an equitable environment in terms of being able to be competitive – then you shouldn't essentially have everyone who is not a blue blood being a farm system for the blue bloods. So that anytime the blue blood wants one of your players, they just make this deal behind the scenes and take your good players. Because and and let's let's be real, Syracuse is very lucky that they weren't gutted last offseason. Because if you look at Sean Tucker and Mikel Jones even Marlo Wax, Stefan Thompson. Imagine this year's Syracuse team going into this season. If just those players, even just Sean Tucker and Mikel Jones and maybe a Garrett Williams had been plucked, even Matthew Bergeron. Let's let's take those four players, right? Syracuse's prognostication going into the season with those four players who have NFL prospects wasn't great anyway. Now you have those four players being plucked by bigger programs and Syracuse's prognostications would have been even worse. We would have been talking about one to two wins instead of three to four. And they were lucky that, that that didn't happen. It gave them a chance to have a successful season, but reality is that's not going to happen. Most off season, most off seasons, you're going to lose some of your better players. And it's, it puts you in an even less fair situation for a non-major program to try to compete and build itself up because when you find a diamond in the rough recruit, you work and develop them, they become successful. You don't get to um, bear the fruits of that hard work that you put in, in talent evaluation, talent development, et cetera. That is to me, a direct result of the NCAA's failure in governing which is supposed to be its sole purpose and why it even exists in the first place. Um, thoughts on on the NCAA's responsibility, culpability in the transfer portal NIL situation in general? We good, Sammy? We good? We can take, we can take a breather now? Is everybody on the same page about you know, everything that's been <laughs> said so far? Um, you know, like I said, this you know, obviously this is not our first read against the NCAA, but you know, Papa Crawford has made appearances on this podcast. He's gonna make another one. You know, there's only so many things you can do with an unmovable force. And you know, the NCAA, as raggedy as uh, downside of the organization, you know, there is. You know, we're gonna wake up tomorrow. Mark Emmert's still gonna be the president, I think. Um, they're still gonna be just as poorly run as you just said. You know, five minutes ago. So you know, with the system currently in place, you have to be able to adapt and you know succeed in it if you have expectations for your program. And, you know, with, again, with the amount of money and resources and, you know, frankly, media coverage dedicated to SU Athletics, there's a there's a there's a ROI, return on investment expected with all the stuff that's dedicated to it. So you can't say you want to be a big time program and not do the things that a big time program does to uh, to succeed. And, you know, with the changing landscape of college sports, the NCAA has, you know, made it more liable for a program like SU to be like, hey. As long as you got the pockets, do whatever you do. So, you know, ideally, I guess, like you said, I don't, I'm not in favor of what the NCAA is doing either, but it's supposedly, I mean, the aspect you're saying of, you know, the Blue Bloods being able to take your, your, uh, your uh, big time prospects is very true. But with the lack of regulation, it seems to be like whoever got the biggest gun, whoever's got the most money can win. And, you know, 
with issue offering so many other things outside of just purely, you know, athletics, you know, again, deep pockets in terms of school endowment, resources, uh, you know, higher learning education. Like it's a it's an attractive place. There's a reason why guys come here, you know, without NIL money being on the table before NIL was a thing. So you can still make your program as attractive as it needs to be, but you know, that just comes to, you know, whether or not whoever I'm referring to when it says the Ed Two athletic program is willing to take the next steps in 2022, almost 2023, that it needs to be a big-time program in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yeah, and I, I might not use the same analogies that you use, Mike, but <laughs> I definitely I agree with the sentiment that something needs to be done in my main concern being those, those lower-tier programs. And my biggest issue with college football in general is that in, since the college football playoffs come to exist, it's really been four teams for the most part. Um, you've kind of known who's going to make up that college football playoff. And my general objective or hope for college football is that that pool of competitive teams can grow. Because for me, in terms of as a fan of other sports, that's what has made the NBA interesting for me over the last couple of years is there has been a bigger pool of competitive teams. The more competition, the better in any sport. And I think that's one thing that the current state of what things are kind of heading towards could be damaged is there isn't going to be even not that there necessarily was, but there isn't going to be that same level of competition. And if the playoff is expanding to 12 teams, the first round might even be a wash. Like there might not even be a reason to expand if there's going to be these four to eight teams that maybe can, can invest in these top tier players and it be is treated like those assets. And I'm also worried too, that these lower tier programs aren't going to be as attractive for, for maybe these assistant coaches to kind of go get other opportunities to maybe take that next step. It's going to be a little harder for a defensive coordinator to kind of take, make that next step to a head coaching position. Cause if he goes to a lower tier program, he's going to, he's going to get, I don't know. He's going to get beat up. Like he's not going to be able to mm-hmm. succeed just because Napier just did it. You know, the, the, the pipeline, that pipeline, I feel like will always exist. Well, I'm you talking know? about in generality, I'm not talking about like the best, coaches but i'm saying in general if there's a an assistant coach trying to make a jump to the to that head coach and they go to a lower tier program that just can't make those type of investments to get the talent they need to win they just won't have that same kind of i guess ability to like it won't reflect as well on the coach and maybe you can kind of take that into account but i feel like i am it's less of a worry as i have for that level of competition but just kind of a, a thought that I've had is just kind of what it would mean for kind of that coaching tree. And I don't think it's going to like kind of fully topple over, like maybe it came off. Um, but I think it might have a slight impact. But the only thing I wanted to respond to that I had left for what you had to say, Josh, is people do come to Syracuse for a lot of things, but warm weather is not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> that is a fact. I think we can all agree on that. Now, uh, one thing I'll say is, is what I, I think Sammy was trying to get at and, and just to kind of expand on what his point is, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Billy Napier. Um, is it, is what he did was Memphis was, is that what, what you're well, referring Louis, to? No, uh, Louisiana to Florida now. You know? Louisiana to Florida. That's right. You're correct. Um, it was, who was it at Memphis that, that had a big year that went? Oh, uh, Norvell? No, it was Fuentes. Oh yeah. Well, Novell, Novell and Fuentes actually. Okay. So, but all those situations I think are, are valid here in, in terms of the comparison. So if you, as you get further into the NIL portal situations, those programs and Syracuse, I think is in the same boat is not going to be built on landing the elite recruits. They're going to be built on finding the diamonds in the rough that they can develop. And as they gain experience, become a lot better than what their recruiting rankings were through the strength and conditioning, through the the system fit and all of that. The problem is when you get guys that start to start to show signs of that a couple of years in and you're two years in maybe to a four year rebuild and year four is really where everything starts to take off. All of a sudden now you lose the ability to do that because, you know, two or three of your best players get plucked by bigger programs. So that sets your timeline back. And then maybe administrations aren't as patient with you as a coach. And so that just kind of derails everything. I think that's where the concern is uh, with situations like this. So that's, that's why the NCAA's lack of governance, even though its only job is to govern 
um, has made this situation a lot more precarious for non-major, non-big programs. Now, to Josh's point, if you're Syracuse, the situation is what it is. It's not changing. The NCAA is not all of a sudden tomorrow going to come out and say, guys, we're going to start governing now and doing our job. They're not. Mark Emmert's going to collect a big paycheck. He's still going to ignore everything and not do anything. And then he's still basically being paid to be the person that everyone rails on and says, you suck. And so that all of the other people can just collect money. That's that's really what his job is. His job is not to actually do anything. It's just to take the brunt of all of the vitriol that's out there about why the NCAA is terrible. And that's basically what he gets paid for. So that's not going to change. So if you're Syracuse, how do you adjust to and react to the situation where the reality is that your best players are going to be prime plucking options for other programs, you have to combat that. And that means your way of combating that is with culture. It's with making people feel like they're at home. It's with, um, you know, relationships and all that, but it's also with NIL money themselves. If Deuce Chestnut's making a hundred K in NIL money and another program comes in and says, we'll offer you 150. It's like, yeah, but I'm happy. I'm good. I'm making money. I'm in a program in a sit in a scheme. I like, you know, maybe I'm not going to take 150 over hundred. Some people might, but you got a chance to, to recoup people. But if they're making 2k and they're getting offered 100k, they're gone. So Syracuse is, I think getting there with the collective that they have. And with um, some of these NIL situations they have, they announced on their athletics page that they're going to have an NIL shop. Um, so all of these things I think are positive for the program on, on that front. But um, reality is as much as I think the NCAA is at fault for the current state of things, every program right now, your only option is to adjust to the way things are. And that is the only way that you can combat some of this stuff is you have to sort of fight fire with funny fight, fight fire with fire or fight money with money. That's reality of the situation. Unfortunately for Syracuse, I don't think that Deuce Chestnut's the last big name that's going to be exiting the program. Um, so we'll see what comes down in the next couple of weeks, what the team looks like uh, heading into the bowl game. And we will have it all uh, broken down for you here on the Believe in Syracuse podcast. That'll do it for episode 63, presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Saucers Company. For Josh and Sammy, I'm Mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.